Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Ever wonder what an asthma attack feels like? Well, run up the stairs and take all your breaths through a straw. Kind of hard, huh? Asthma is a serious medical illness, but it can be controlled, and with the right medication and avoiding triggers as much as possible, you can live a normal, healthy life with asthma, and if you're lucky, not even feel it. Dr. Jeffrey Cam is in the studio, along with special guest Christy Ching, singer on the Navitech, and I'd like to say asthma conqueror. Yes. All right, Christy, we'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941-3689 on Oahu. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 1-877-941-3689. First in medical news, we've talked about vitamin D and how this can help promote strong bones. And some studies have linked it to a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. But what else can it do? Well, scientists have been studying this, and in the latest Digestive Disease Week meeting, researchers at Massachusetts General noted that low vitamin D was associated with a higher rate of hospitalizations and flares in people who have been diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease. This includes conditions known as ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. The bottom line, get your vitamin D level checked, because even here in the islands, it can be surprisingly low and very easy to replace. Swine flu, bird flu, human flu, the season is coming around again. Scientists in China have described a new flu type, the H7N9 flu, confirmed to be a combination of both avian and human influenza genes, in three people who contracted the illness in mainland China and unfortunately have passed away. Although it's too early to determine if this will be a prominent flu strain, this is another sign of the constant rearrangement of genes in the influenza virus and should be and is a cause for concern. In the next few months, when the standard flu shots are available, they're recommended for everyone, particularly those with chronic medical conditions like asthma, that should be treated first. Music therapy, is there a science behind it? Well, in the latest issue of the journal, the American Medical Association, people in the ICU on a ventilator were studied with the effects of music on sedation and anxiety when treated with, you know, usual array of all the noise that you might hear, their own particular selections of music, or noise-canceling headphones. Final verdict? Get the headphones. Both the noise-canceling ones and those with music that popped through reduced anxiety levels and sedation when people were recovering in the ICU. That's just another reason that, you know, music, particularly, oh, I don't know, public radio, might be good for your health. All right, Dr. Jeff Cam is in the studio. We're talking about asthma today. May is Asthma Awareness Month. How can you live well and breathe well with asthma? Is there a secret? Christy Ching might have found it. She is a singer, has asthma, and does a great job singing on the Navitech. We would like to hear from you if you have asthma and want to know if there's some unique trick to what you can do to try and help live well and breathe well. You can join us on Oahu 9413689, toll free from the neighbor islands 8779413689. Dr. Cam, Christy, welcome to the body show. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, asthma it's not able to breathe. Somebody who can't breathe so well. You know, it makes me want to take a deep breath right now. What's going on with this condition, Dr. Cam? How do you get it? 
Uh, actually, there's a, a high genetic component, like with any types of allergy kind of conditions. So your nasal allergies, your food allergies, your eczema, and even the asthma. So you can blame your parents. You you can blame your pre- parents. But they can blame their parents. That's correct. And then it just can go on and on. Exactly. All right. And so, you know, how do you diagnose asthma? I mean, it's one of those things where, boy, if you were to send me running a marathon, I would probably wheeze a little, maybe a lot, maybe not make 26.2 miles. But if you were in a condition and you notice that you were wheezing. Not all wheezing is asthma, right? Exactly. Okay. So when do you go from, I'm wheezing because I'm out of shape to, oh no, I'm asthmatic? Okay. Well, the asthma is actually very easily diagnosed, but a lot of it just comes from history. So, you know, just talking to a patient about how their breathing problem exists, like for example, you mentioned with activity, or say they're around a cat, they start wheezing. That kind of makes you think more of asthma. Or in younger kids, it may just be a cold. They catch a cold and their cough lasts for more than, I, I like the number of two weeks, uh, number of days. So any cough that lasts more than two weeks for me should be evaluated for potential asthma. In the adults, is very easy. There's a little breathing machine we call a spirometer, and uh, Christy knows this one for sure. You, you blow into it, and it kind of watches how your, your measures how your lungs are working, and then we give you some asthma medication to inhale, and then we have you breathe into the machine again, and we can see if the lungs are improving or not, and that's the diagnosis of asthma. And the kids who are not old enough to breathe in this machine. History is very important. We ask the right questions. We then may give them some medication to breathe in the office. And then really it's just me listening to their lungs to see if they improve or not. Now, when you're actually doing this test, so you would do it in your office. So somebody would come in and say, I think I have asthma. You would do this barometer. And if it's, if it's just not yet normal and the number is a little bit lower, they would use a medication. Would this be a standard inhaler? Exactly. We would put them on a trial of a medication, most likely a bronchodilator. Most people are familiar with the word albuterol. And we try that for a while and see if they improve. And you can tell immediately after you give them this inhaler, you do the spirometer, you do the breathing test again, it can be done in the office, and you see a certain percentage improvement and say, hey, you know what, it looks like this might be asthma. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you can ask Christy more about this, but you know, if you take your puffer, you feel good within like 10, 15 minutes. All right, Christy, tell us, how were you diagnosed with asthma? First of all, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Oh, man. I think I was a teenager. It was when the volcano started erupting. In, um, Blame the fog. Yeah. You know, fog drives me crazy. Okay. Yeah. So you were a teenager. And what made you or what made your parents say, hey, you know what? There's some trouble. You're breathing funny. Let's get it checked out. Well, my mom actually was asthmatic as well. And we have a history of it in our family. So I, I, I kind of knew. And I remember when I was little, there were many nights I'd wake up in the middle of the night, like not able to breathe or catch my breath for some reason, and it would wake me up from my sleep. And I remember my uh, grandparents, you know, putting on the shower and putting the steam, trying to help me to breathe better. And that was before it was diagnosed uh, when I became a teenager. It got much worse after the volcano started erupting. And so how does it affect you now? You're a singer on the Navitech. Singing is a fairly difficult thing to do if you have a breathing condition. I mean, you've really got to support your air. And, you know, it's it's not like you can just sort of not sing well. I mean, people pay a lot of money to go to see you, and there you are. How do you manage to do something that requires such lung capacity when you have asthma? Did it affect your, your ability to sing? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I struggled with it, especially in the, uh, I want to say, like late 80s, early 90s. Before I got to see Dr. Cam, 
I mean, because I was like tip, most typical musicians, you know, we, we don't have, have insurance, <laughs> you know, so I, I wasn't seeing my doctor. I wasn't seeing a doctor regularly. I'd only go to a doctor if I got sick. So I struggled with it. And, and I actually even had bouts of depression because, you know, how they'd have the American uh, Lung Association commercials, if you can't breathe, nothing else matters. I would literally sit on my couch and cry because it, it, it was so true. I mean, it was it was a horrible feeling knowing that, you know, I, I'm getting paid to do this and I'm not up to par because I can't breathe, you know. And then I started seeing Dr. Cam and I tease him all the time that he saved my life, but he really did because if it wasn't for, you know, his medical intervention and the things that he's done for, to help me, I wouldn't have a career now. And so I've been with him Gosh, all these years. Oh, too long. <laughs> we are. The we good lasted news longer is, than most marriages, huh? <laughs> all right. It's radio. We're not going to ask age. I'm thinking if he saved your life, that's like free Navitech passes for life. I don't know. That sounds like a good plan. But tell me, you know, Dr. Cam, when somebody comes in like that and they're that upset about their breathing, I mean, really, I've had one or two episodes when I've caught a cold and it's affected my breathing and I sort of freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, I can't breathe. What am I going to do? And I'm not asthmatic. And this was just being sick for a little while. I can't imagine having a condition where that could happen at any moment, at any time. When people come in and describe that, is it a common scenario that somebody says, it's like depressing me. There are times when I just can't breathe and they don't really understand the condition? Absolutely, they don't understand the condition. And a lot of people would just tolerate it. Uh, It affects their quality of life, but they tolerate it. And that's what's so sad about it because with all these newer medications, our better understanding of what asthma is, uh, there's no reason to tolerate the symptoms. And and again, so uh, a lot of times, remember, I'm an allergist, so people refer, the pediatricians and the internists refer to me for further evaluation. So they're actually the first line. They're the doctors that are saying this patient come in with frequent colds and they cough for weeks on end, or they can't run because they, they have difficulty breathing or they're coughing. Uh, and then they send them to me for further evaluation. So by the time I, I see them, they actually have this history that, hey, maybe something's going on with my lungs. Uh, maybe I do have asthma or allergies, and, and I need something else because my quality of life is, is bad. Now, when you have that type of a situation, um, what is your first line? Is it let's let's establish the diagnosis, let's try some kind of treatment? How long does that process take? From when they walk into your door, will they potentially feel better when they leave? That's my hope. Uh, generally, you know, once we can pin the diagnosis down uh, with a good history, you know, it always starts with the history. And generally when I talk to the patient or the, the parents uh, of the kids, I know what's going on usually by, you know, within the first 15 to 20 minutes. And then we do maybe a breathing test and we see the response. You put them on some medications. They can feel pretty good immediately. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. Dr. Jeffrey Cam and Christy Ching are in the studio. We are talking about asthma. May is Asthma Awareness Month. And if you've had asthma or you've ever had an attack or you want to know, are you at risk, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 1-877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Ken, we've talked about history. History is so important. What sort of elements in the history? In someone who has what we would call, let's just say, typical asthma symptoms, what are you hearing in the history that says, oh, yeah, that's what it is? Well, first line uh, is the parents. (laughs) Do they have allergies? And the rule of thumb is if one parent has any type of allergy, be it nasal allergies or food allergies or skin allergy or even asthma, 
a child will have about a 25% chance of developing some type of allergy in their life. If two parents have allergies, it can go up to 75%. So I always warn my parents, if your kids have allergies, screen any potential boyfriends or girlfriends. Make sure they don't have any allergies. You're going to have allergic grandkids. Oh, yeah. You're going to be really popular (laughs) with uh, the teenage crew. Screen your potential mate. All right. Well, I'm... I should talk to your kids and see how well that worked for you. Right. So genetics are important. And then things like, you know, if you catch a cold, you cough for weeks on end. Uh, Things like if I drink cold liquids, I start coughing. Or if I'm laughing at a joke, I start coughing. Or activity causes chest congestion or coughing. These are all signs uh, of potential asthma. The other thing is that if you have nasal allergies, so this a patient comes in with, oh, I get sneezing or stuffy nose, then I always ask him, do you have any difficulty breathing? Because there is a higher percentage of people with nasal allergies that have asthma, just like patients with asthma have a higher rate for nasal allergies. The other important thing is, so if you have asthma, make sure that uh, you know you can identify triggers because obviously if you avoid the cat that you're allergic to or the dust mites, your asthma will stabilize better. So you can find a trigger and then you can actually try and physically avoid whatever that is. Absolutely. Okay. Christy, do you have any triggers <laughs> other than VOG? Oh, gosh. Everything. Long list. I think when I, okay. when I took my allergy test, I was allergic to like almost everything on there. And air. some of them were- You're allergic <laughs> to air. Yeah, some of them okay. were very severe- but, yeah, so, I mean, I, I sometimes people don't get it. You know, they don't understand. Like, it's like, well, it's a clear, beautiful day today. It's not voggy. Yeah, but now the wind's kicked up. It's blown away the vog, but it's picking up all the plant pollens and all the mm-hmm. other junk that I'm allergic to. So maybe today I might be sneezing a lot, whereas, like, you know, a week ago I couldn't really breathe as, as well as I normally do, you know. So it's, it's uh, hard for people to understand, I guess, sometimes. Well, and what do you do when that happens? So let's say you wake up and go, oh, boy, I can tell the VOG is gone, but the pollen is a blowing. Do you take medication when that happens, particularly for your allergies? And does that help your asthma? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm on uh, antihistamines pretty much around the clock. (laughs) And, And it helps a lot. It helps a lot. Now, if you were, this is always a curious question and and. You never know what you're going to hear. But if you were to go back and say to yourself when you were crying on the couch, Mm. what you know now about treating your allergies and your asthma and all of your symptoms, what would you say to that person, to that younger you that was just so depressed about it and yet almost afraid to go get it treated? What would have convinced you that you know now? I mean, you kind of know better. What could you have said to yourself at that time? Get the medical attention that you need. You no know, matter what, no the, matter cost what is, the cost is. You it's need, worth it. It's worth it, yeah. And, of course, and get insurance. You know, I mean, I, I needed medical insurance, and so that's what I did. And I've been – and that's why, you know, I've been singing on this dinner cruise ship for the last 22 years, you know. And I, I'm, I'm there's a reason for that. I get my medical benefits. They take good care of me, and, you know, I hope that I bring them good service. Well, and you get to do something that a lot of people wish they could do. You get to pursue your passion of music while also having the stable life behind it, which, you know, a lot of people don't have that ability. Now, do you think that if you didn't treat your asthma, it would affect your singing to the point where you couldn't do your current job? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I have days now where even with all of my treatment that I'm undergoing, that I still struggle, you know, if my if my, the VOG is acting up or if I get sick or, you know, that kind of thing. And for sure, if I did not have uh, the medical treatment that I'm undergoing now, 
I don't think I'd be able to do it professionally. I wouldn't have a career. That's why I, I tease him all the time and say, you saved my life. You saved my career. But it's true. All right. Well, Dr. Kim, do you hear that a lot? I mean, here's Christy saying... That you I know, saved their lives? They, well, yeah. I mean, I hope you hear people say you saved my life. But I mean, this, this dramatic reversal in symptoms to the point where, really, their potential career path a- absolutely. is changed that, that's why of their it's, Out of this month, this asthma were in this month, we want to make people aware, even if they don't think they have asthma, to if they're having symptoms that prevent them from doing what they want to do, affects their quality of life, then at least see their doctor and get it checked out. And either you have it or you don't have it, but at least know. And, and if you do have it, get on the right medications because it will change your life. And, you know, if, even if, if somebody out there says, I know I don't have asthma, if someone they love seems to cough for like three months after they have a bronchitis, hey, that's a, that's a red flag. That's a little bit of a problem. So it could be somebody who themselves are having symptoms. Absolutely. Maybe even someone in their family. Absolutely. And if you're a parent and you and your spouse uh, or your significant other, you guys have allergy symptoms and all of a sudden your child starts to have something like that, kind of keep your eye open and make sure that this isn't something exactly. that you one of, about. One of the things that I, I unfortunately hear still is that uh, parents will sometimes change what the child can do. They prevent them from like doing sports because they know they're going to cough. But how about if we put, you know, diagnose asthma if it's there, put them on the right medication so they can do their sport. Isn't that better? It sounds mm-hmm. better. So do you mean that asthma is not an excuse not to exercise? Although it's been used, believe me. It's been used. <laughs> Boy, I'll, I'll try and pull that one on a, on a day I don't feel like going to the gym. But I hear you. So it's not an excuse. So if, if you have asthma, you should be able to live a healthy life no matter what activities you choose to do as with long as you treat right. your symptoms. Exactly. And if that requires treatment with medicine, you have to just do that. But, but even better than that is at least identify if there are any particular triggers or allergenic triggers. The easiest case, if you're allergic to the cat, get rid of the cat and you stop wheezing. Don't get rid of the I, cat. I know you're can. a cat lover, so I apologize. But There are allergy shots. There are allergy shots. There are yes. allergy shots. <laughs> you're talking to a cat fan. I don't know. Christy, what do you think about that? Well, I was going to just interject and say, you know, parents are the first line of defense. Like, I knew when my son was born that he was probably going to have allergies and asthma. And so when he was born, he had a distressed birth. And they kept him in the hospital for uh, observation. It was supposed to be for, like, two weeks. And it turned into a month. And And they kept giving him antibiotics because he kept coughing. But he didn't have any... It wasn't a productive cough. And so I just said, something's not right. And I trusted my gut. And I said, I think he's allergic to the formula because I had, I had a C-section, so I couldn't uh, breastfeed. So I had, he, he was on formula. And I said, I think he might be allergic to the formula because my brother. So that's where knowing your family history is right. important. My brother was allergic to the formula. So I recognized that. In my son, and here, in, you know, a month and a half later, they're like, oh, yeah, let's change his formula and see what happens. In the meantime, he was in the hospital that long. They changed it, and like two days later, the cough was gone, and they were sending him home. Well, you saved his life, too. <laughs> I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak here in the studio with my buddy, Dr. Jeffrey Cam, asthma expert, and also with Christy Ching. She is a singer on the Navitech and asthma conqueror. I'm giving you that title, Christy. I'm giving you a conqueror crown. You deserve it. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to play a little game, true or false, with asthma facts. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. For decades, playwright David Henry Huang has brought a distinctly Asian-American perspective to the 
Theater, looking at the contemporary experience through the lens of its historical past and its legends. Kumu Kahua is bringing two of his one-act plays to town for their Hawaii premiere, and we'll talk to the director this morning at 8 on The Conversation on HBR2. Edith's telegram last evening had taken her completely by surprise, but Mildred had just pitched in and cleaned everything. Companies coming this week on Selected Shorts from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m., following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Jeffrey Cam and Christy Ching, and we are talking about asthma. May is Asthma Awareness Month, and we want to make sure people are aware you can live well and breathe well, even if you have this condition. If you or someone you love has asthma and you wonder what to do about their symptoms, you can give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Cam, Christy, we're going to play a little game. It's called True or False. All right, Christy, I'm going to start with you. All right. So I'll mention a statement, and you tell me if you think it's true or false, and what you know about it. Dr. Cam, you will also interject and help out, and we'll go from there. Number one. Okay. Christy, true or false? Asthma is only in kids. False. Okay. I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I'm going to (laughs) say you look darn good no matter what age you would answer, and so it's not only in kids. Absolutely not. All right, Dr. Cam, why do people think it's only in kids? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I mean, generally, uh, I think adults may – there's two points to that. So most asthma will start when you're younger. It can stabilize. So usually between like ages of two to about eight, a lot of the allergies start picking up. Uh, It can stabilize when you hit their teens, early adulthood, and they can resurface in their 30s and 40s. There is a variant of asthma, just to qualify that. It's called adult-onset asthma, which generally doesn't have an allergic basis, and it's more severe. It's harder to treat. So there is an adult asthma. Can you outgrow asthma? The the childhood one, yes. Sometimes when they hit their teens, early adulthood, that's it. They will still have that slight tendency, but for the most part, they won't need medications. All right. Dr. Cam's up next. Christy, you can take a deep breath, literally, because you're well-controlled. <laughs> All right. Number two, true or false, you are well-controlled with asthma if you use your albuterol daily. Oh, that's an excellent question. Very good. I was going to mention that. So, All right. What do you think? One of the, the main problems we have, so patients are getting more aware, you know, American Lung Association, the stuff they see on TV and, and um, magazines. They get diagnosed. So their doctor diagnoses with asthma, and they give them this albuterol inhaler. A lot of times they say, oh, I'm taking my medicine. I don't need anything else. I have asthma. I'm taking my medicine. That's fine. And that's not true anymore. Even though you're taking medications, you may not be what we call controlled. We want controlled asthma. And sometimes uh, when we have patients coming in and say, oh, yeah, I'm controlled. I take my albuterol inhaler, which is the rescue inhaler, four times a day. No, you're not controlled. Uh, or I'm taking my albuterol inhaler, but, yeah, I'm waking up two times a week at night. You're not controlled. That means you need better medications, a change in your medication plan. The rule of thumb is that if you need your albuterol rescue inhaler more than two times in one day, 
or two times in a week, then you're not controlled. So if I were to give someone an inhaler and it has, I think the standard is what, 120 puffs, you can get the smaller one of 60 now. And they say, oh, I used my inhaler completely within the last three months and I need a new one. That's a red flag that they're not controlled. Actually, it's a canister per month is the the rule of thumb. So I think you're taking two puffs. Albuterol. Yeah, okay. Now, albuterol is the rescue inhaler. Right, right. So So if you're using that much of your rescue inhaler. Then no good then you really need a different type inhaler. Right. You need need what we call a controller medication. So you have rescue medications and controller medications. The rescue medications are the bronchodiodals like the albuterol. The the controller medications are usually the steroid inhalers. And we'll talk about steroid inhalers in a bit. Okay, let's go ahead and let's hit number three, true and false. And I want to get back to steroid inhalers because it's it's down here. All right, Christy, I think you know the answer to this one. True or false, if you have asthma, you cannot exercise. False. Big false. <laughs> Don't use it as an excuse and you got to keep going. Yeah. Did you ever notice that your asthma kept you from doing as much activity as you wanted? When I was a kid and I and it was uncontrolled, I could never run like the 40-yard dash, you know, those kinds of things. I, I was always like the last one, and I would be like doubled over, like gasping for air, you know, like thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Yeah, it was that, but other than that, no. I mean, as an adult, I mean, until I, I had a back injury uh, 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 that started rearing its ugly head, but I used to run four and a half miles a day. With asthma, with well-controlled, and you could breathe. Yep. Much longer than the 40-yard dash. Exactly. All right. Good. Dr. Cam, true or false? If you aren't born with asthma, you'll never get it. Well, that's where the adult asthma comes into control. So you can get it when you're older. And just because you didn't have it as a child doesn't mean that you're not going to be somebody who gets in their 30s or 40s. Absolutely. If you get it when you're older, harder to control. Right. Harder to treat. All right. Christy, you're going to love this one. True or false? If your parents have it, you will too. That's false. You're, you don't necessarily, it's not necessarily guaranteed that you're going to get it, but it's a it's a higher a higher risk. I think we said 25% right. with one parent, 75%, right. Jeff, you mentioned. It's right. not written in two stone. Parents. <laughs> it's not absolute, but kind of keep an eye out for right. it. All right. Okay. Here's a, here's a good true or false one, Dr. Cam. Medications to treat asthma can be habit forming. No. You would think. I no. mean, they, you they, can't get they make addicted you feel, to your inhaler. Yeah, so, you know, what's an addiction? You know, addiction is because you're taking something to get high or, or feel better. In this case, you're feeling better because you're controlling you your disease. Breathe. Exactly. Okay. So it's not like you have to worry. You're not going to get dependent on your inhaler if you use your medication correctly. On the, the caveat to that, if you do have asthma and it's not controlled, there you is a will be dependent. <laughs> there is a small percentage of patients that will actually develop emphysema. Without even having smoked a cigarette, just from the asthma. Mm-hmm. So we're we're trying to prevent the irreversible lung damage by controlling the asthma well. So if you don't control your asthma well, you could wind up with irreversible changes that you just can never reverse. Exactly. Thus irreversible, I guess. Irreversible. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see, Christy, here you go. True or false, even if you're breathing well, you should always use your maintenance inhaler. Yes. Good. I That's a true do. statement. So yes. just because you feel good, don't just say, oh, I don't need that anymore. I feel so good. I'll, I'll just, maybe I'll use it every other day or every third day. It's called maintenance for a reason. <laughs> All right. I put you on the spot with true or false. <laughs> you are doing great. Okay. So don't just stop it. 
because you think you're better because then it's going to flare up again. Yeah. Have exactly. you noticed that? Did you ever stop it or run out of it or just not have enough or forget to bring it on a trip and next thing you know, you're um, noticing it? She's I, one of my good patients. I'm pretty disciplined okay. with taking my medication. So you've never skipped a dose ever. Well, I mean, good, I, I think, okay, you know, maybe on vacation I might have forgotten a couple of times, but you know what? I come to think of it, whenever I've gotten ill, it's usually when I'm on vacation. <laughs> you know? All right, the truth so. comes out. Uh-oh, I think you're going to get in trouble a little later. <laughs> All right, Dr. Cam, here we go. If you use your rescue inhaler and it doesn't work, you should seek emergency care as soon as possible if you can't breathe. Generally, yes. However, you should have an action plan from your physician that kind of guides you. So if you use your rescue inhaler and it doesn't work, what do you do? And we may be able to come out with a plan that, yeah, you can do this next and that next. But generally, yeah, you're going to go to the emergency room. You don't sit around and wait for this. Well, and and there are some cases where – well, we'll get to that because I don't want to give away my – I have 10 here. <laughs> I don't want to give away my last one. All right. So, so we know it's going to be juicy. All right, Christy, if you have asthma, you should not smoke. Yes, that's well, true. Well, should you ever smoke? I mean, really, Never. nobody's going to recommend, hey, go get some cigarettes. I don't think you're going to find any uh, medical professional who's going to suggest that. But, okay, so smoking, not something you do. No. Now, you're on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Are you exposed to people who smoke outside or anything like that? No, actually, our, our cruise ship recently banned cigarette smoking when the state banned it uh, in bars and restaurants and whatnot. So, thank goodness, we, we don't have any smoking on the boat. Do you have friends who smoke? If you're around them, does that make you feel like you're having breathing issues? Or do you self-select your friends for the non-smokers? I try not to be around people that smoke. My husband used to smoke, and he doesn't smoke anymore. Or he wouldn't be your husband. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go, Dr. Cam. True or false? Asthma can be cured. It never causes serious problems, and nobody ever dies from asthma. False, 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 false. I know. False. <laughs> That's kind of getting at the whole. There have been cases. There's a young college student. I think she was at HPU, and she kept puffing on her albuterol and puffing and puffing, and it didn't work, and she couldn't breathe, and then that was it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, asthma can kill. Do people just not realize that? Well, that's what asthma where this mother is for. Well, we're we're trying to edu- aware. We're okay. educating people right now. Yeah. All right. Well, tell me, when we talk about this action plan, what should be on the action plan? We sort of said, okay, if you use your rescue inhaler and you still don't have any improvement, what should you do? What is this rescue plan? And, and what should you do well, generally, if that's the case? Generally, it's, it's how do you upscale your medications for increasing symptoms? And um, it's important because, you know, sometimes the doctor – well, we're always available, aren't we? But sometimes you just can't find your doctor or it's 12 o'clock at night or whatever – or you're on a trip. And this way you're, you can take charge of what you need to do. So Chrissy's very smart. She knows exactly like if, if I take this, I'm still having problems, I'm going to do this plan and that plan. So it's a layered step going up the pyramid. And obviously you get better, you go back down the pyramid. So it's very important if you're traveling, for example. All right. So, Christy, let's put you on the spot. Let's set the stage here, so to speak. You're singing uh, at the Navitex, so you're on a stage. Let's just say that you you are on your medicine. First of all, if you, you don't have to tell us, but do you mind what medicines do you take to control your asthma? Um, well, the biggie that really changed a lot for me was Zolaire. I get the Zolaire shots, and that is, I mean, like I can literally feel my lungs relaxing like within sometimes a half an hour after getting the shot. It's amazing. Okay, so you take a shot, Zolaire, and that helps you. What inhalers do you use? I I have the albuterol inhaler, and I also have uh, the Advair discus. Okay, so that's your standard treatment. All right, 
What is your, I'm starting to have trouble, I can't breathe, I think my asthma is uncontrolled treatment. What is your next step? What would you do? Um, I also have albuterol pills and I have uh, theophylline pills as well. So you've established a program that if you're having troubles breathing and you're still having issues, you've done your standard treatment, you have a step up, Mm -hmm. you would do something else. You would either take albuterol pills, theophylline pills. And, you know, one of the questions that comes up, Dr. Kim, that happens a lot is, at what point do you need steroids? We talked a little bit about a steroid inhaler. How does a steroid inhaler work? And how is that different than steroid pills? Well, steroids come in in different forms. They have the inhaled or topical form. You have the pill form and you have the injectable form. Uh, These are not bodybuilding anabolic type steroids. So they're not going to help you go bowling or, you know, swim or paddle. Uh, What their main purpose is, is to stop inflammation or swelling. So when you have asthma, there's two components to asthma. There is swelling of the inside of this straw or tube, which makes it harder to breathe. And there's also constriction of a muscle layer that wraps around the tube. So the bronchodilators dilate the muscles. The steroids will decrease the swelling. So generally, if you need more bronchodilators or the bronchodilators aren't working, there's probably a component of swelling inside, which you need the steroids for. Obviously, if you're uh, on a maintenance, we want to use the topical because less is absorbed into the body. But if you're having a severe attack... You want either injectable or oral steroids. Clearly, you don't want to take too much injectable or oral steroids because they cause more of the, the side effects that people fear, like uh, you can uh, get a hump back, you can get weak bones, diabetes, you know, all the bad Weight stuff. Weight gain, water retention, I'm hungry, give me food or else. <laughs> okay, so you don't really want to have to use steroids. But is that mainly that's for the pill form or the injectable exactly. form? Exactly. The, the, the topical steroids are really what can really help people uh, get control of their asthma. Now, when we talk topical, we're talking inhaled. Inhaled. That's sort of how someone would get that steroid component. Exactly. Now, some studies came out in the last few years looking at medications that combined the steroid inhaler and a bronchodilator that was long-acting inhaler and found that sometimes folks don't need both ingredients. How would someone know if they just need the steroid versus a long-acting bronchodilator or if they need both? Is it almost like a trial and error? How well do you do? Which one works best for you? I don't like the word trial and error. I think... Yeah, uh, let's not... Let's just say trial. <laughs> let's take let's take out the error part. So we'll just go with trial. Really, um, you know, we, we like to stabilize the patient first, obviously. And if the patient is doing really, really well, meaning that... Don't rock the boat. Well, no, that's not true. So if they're taking their maintenance medications and not needing their rescue medications, then we would consider doing a step down. We like step down or step up. So step up for more symptoms, step down if you're doing well. And one of the things, so a lot of my patients, because they are severe, they're on the combined medications like the Advair or Symbocord or Dulera, which has a long-acting muscle relaxant bronchodilator and the inhaled steroid together mixed in. As they improve, the thought is that, well, maybe you don't need that bronchodilator and maintain yourself with the steroid component. And that, we would kind of split it apart. Rather than having a combined medication, we split it apart and then see how much bronchodilator they need. If they continue to need the bronchodilator fairly frequently, then I would put them back on the combined dose. So that's the way that you can figure it out, is that you try and do step-down therapy, assess the situation, ask the person how they're breathing, if they need to step back up. Or you can do monitor with the breathing test, the spirometry. You can actually see what's going on. Can people use spirometry on their own? No. So they wouldn't necessarily be able to do this at home? Exactly. What's a peak flow meter? 
Peak flow meter is you blow into this tube, and there's numbers on this tube. And basically the idea is the higher the number, the harder you can blow, the better your lungs are. Is this a tool for someone who has asthma if their peak flow goes below a certain level? Is that some way that helped them to direct their step up or step down? Absolutely. And that's part of this, uh, this um, rescue plan that we come up with. It's based on zones and the numbers on the peak flow. So a patient can monitor their peak flows, see what their best is. So, for example, if they're blowing 500, that's their best. But then one day they're blowing 300 or 200, then you notice something's up. They would go to their action plan, and the action plan would say, look, you're blowing in the like red zone. Then this is what we're going to do. We're going to add different medications or increase this medication. Medication. And that way they can take charge of their asthma rather than, you know, calling the doctor all the time. Well, and it makes sense, Christy. Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to know what to do? You could kind of feel it in your own breathing, but you needed some more guidance as far as how much medicine do I use? Do you use a peak flow? Do you use that to help monitor yourself? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I used to whine to him sometimes because my peak flow would be lower than 550. <laughs> okay. And he would tell me, 550, that's excellent. So what, what would be a bad peak flow? Um, I, I think there was a couple of times it I remember it dropped down to like 300, and that's when I was like, whoa, red flag. You know, so I knew for you, that's your red flag. Yeah, right. like I knew something was wrong, and that's why I checked it. You now, feel it. Generally, the way it goes, you, you, everyone's peak flow is different. Uh, hers is great because she's a singer. She has a great You've diaphragm. You've got that great <laughs> lung capacity that's right. going to help you to sustain singing. So generally when they're doing well, we have them just kind of keep track of their peak flow, and they know what their top number is when they're doing well. And then if it hits 80, 80 to 100% of the, their normal peak flow would be considered the green zone. 80 to 50 is the yellow zone. And anything less than 50% is like, oh, 911 or call your, you know, call your doctor kind of thing. So if somebody's maximum was as low as 300, which it is possible, some people are at that level, mm-hmm. their emergency is 150 or right. less. Exactly. Hey, do something pronto. Exactly. So peak flow is one of the other ways that you can monitor yourself if you have asthma, figure out what is your good peak flow and have that help direct your medication exactly. treatment. And that's something, you know, Christy, you can check at home. Do you check it sometimes when you're good just to see what it is? I used to before, but yeah. Now you I, get used to your yeah. level of about 550. Yeah, 500 to 550, I'm good. I mean, for, for me, it's more. It's really important that I, I'm able to breathe well, obviously, because I can't sing. I can't do my job if I, if I can't breathe well, right? So I, I think people have told me, oh, you're, you're so in tune with your body, you know? And I guess maybe I am. And so I can feel it sometimes before um, it gets to that point. So maybe if it's dropping to like 400, I'm complaining already like, oh, because I know I can feel it. I can feel right. the and difference. And that's a good point. Some people are just re- really in tune with their breathing. They know exactly when it's dropping a little bit. Then you have the other type of uh, individual who is not in tune with their body, and they could be blown at, you know, 50% of their normal and still not feeling anything. And those are the ones that are more scary. you got to keep closer track of them. And they need to be, you know, di- the medications need to be dictated more by their physician. Mm-hmm. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Jeffrey Cam and Christy Ching. We are talking about what to do about asthma. Asthma Awareness Month is May, and we want to get the word out that you can breathe with ease with asthma. If you've got a question for us, now is your chance to ask an expert. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about asthma 
asthma, and we're going to take a little email question for you, Dr. Cam. I got that one earlier in the box, and we'll address that in just a few moments. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. In this day and age of tablets and smartphones, what's up with the popularity of plain old paper notebooks? The physical experience of interacting with physical products, the emotional dimension of getting in touch with one's uh, thoughts. Well, technology is at a disadvantage, in fact, compared to paper. I'm Kai Rizdal. Paper or plastic? Next time on Marketplace, it's from 8 p.m. This evening at 6, following The Body Show. In his seventh annual HBR concert, singer-guitarist Chris Vandercook and his band take a stroll through the many shadings of the blues in a concert he calls Blues, the Common Ground, on Saturday, May 25th at 7.30 in HBR's Atherton Studio. Vandercook blends his guitar style, which descends from past heroes like Freddie King, with his distinctive soul jazz sound of the Hammond organ and tenor sax, anchored by a contemporary bass and drums rhythm section. Reservations at 955-8821 during business hours. Aloha and welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Jeffrey Cam and Christy Ching, singer on the Navitech. And we are talking about asthma. May is Asthma Awareness Month. And if you have asthma, now is your chance to find out if your routine is working well. And if you are concerned that you might, this is a great opportunity to find out what those symptoms might mean if you're having them. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 1-877-941-3689. Dr. Cam, people are excited you're on the show today. Before we even started, we got an email. (laughs) And it had to do with someone who said, you know, they kind of established, they were looking in this old, old yoga book, and there are some yoga breathing techniques and some relaxation techniques that can really help if somebody has problems with sinus congestion or with their breathing. Does Is there such a thing as doing breathing exercises? Absolutely. Just like we would do, you Abs- know, cardio absolutely. exercises, yes. working out. Can you work out your lungs? And, and well, singing is one of them. Singing <laughs> is one of them. All right, Christy, right. you've got the singing. No, down. we... Uh, we teach what we call belly breathing and singers normally do this already and it's really like tai chi breathing or martial arts breathing where when you're inhaling you're actually expanding your abdomen and then when you're exhaling you're sucking your abdomen in and that's really good when you're having uh, like asthma problems or or just to train your body your lungs do you do that as part of your singing, Christy? Is that part of your repertoire is you work on the breathing so you can project the voice? Yeah, absolutely. It's diaphragmatic bre- breathing. So, in fact, being a singer has helped your asthma. Probably, yeah. And so has Dr. King. Yes. We know he saved your life. Okay. He can he be the real – he can be the asthma conqueror king. Okay. Yes. We'll give him that. Well, we've got a caller on the line. We have got Mike from Kailua. Mike, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. Thanks for calling us. What can we do for you today? Well, I've had adult onset asthma. Uh, I'm in my 40s now. I've had it for about 20 years. And I also have reflux disease. And I'm just wondering, is there any evidence showing a strong link between the two? You are such a smart guy, Mike. Because, you know, one of the things that we have learned... Boy, I remember just having this hammered in medical school is sometimes when people have symptoms of reflux, they actually might be having problems because it exacerbates their asthma. And sometimes people with asthma wind up having troubles with reflux. And if you don't treat them both, 
you're still going to have symptoms of either one. So interesting, Dr. Kim. You're shaking your head like, yep, Mike's got it together. Mike definitely has it together. Hey, Mike, uh, that, that's a good question, and it's really true. In fact, when I was training at National Jewish, any asthmatic, and we see the, the bad asthmatics, when they came in, we'd be looking for reflux. They, they'd get the study immediately. Because there's a connection. Right. And in fact, you don't even have to have the overt um, you know, reflux symptoms. You don't have to have the pain in the belly or the burning. You can have silent reflux, which can also have an impact on your asthma. So the okay. key... I'm just curious because for a while there, the Advair was working. And I would, every once in a while, I would go on courses of um, prednisone. But I reached a point where uh, the Advair wasn't effective. And neither were the bronchodilators, the Ventolin MDI inhaler. And I stopped the Advair. So now I'm not on any maintenance medications. I'm still having symptoms once in a while. But uh, I found that if I can get rid of my stress, that my symptoms are much better. Well, that's another interesting combination is, you know, stress that can cause asthma exacerbations. We had an email earlier that linked yoga and deep breathing and exercises and, and those sorts of ways to deep breathe and, and kind of calm down that also helps. But stress can also increase the acid in your stomach. If you have reflux, it can make the reflux worse, which will make your asthma worse. It's like a whole big circle of of. Well, Bad absolutely. Breathing, the other the other question, Mike, is uh, you know if you find that the asthma inhalers aren't working as well, then you probably want to get another type of test called a, like a methicoline challenge. Actually, they don't use methicoline anymore; they're using uh, some other um, substance just to make sure that the asthma diagnosis is correct. Okay. So I guess the, the bottom line is you need to see your doctor. Yeah, well, Mike. I've been working with them on this, and I told them. And the reason why I stopped the Advair was. We had our second child, and we were in the hospital for a few days, and I forgot to take the medication. And I just decided, well, I'm not having any worsening of symptoms. Let's see where it goes. And I've been off of it for about a year. Um, so I guess my other question is, are you taking new patients? Oh, there's a question. <laughs> All right. Is Dr. Cam available? Well, I do know where he works because he works where I work at Straub Clinic. You can certainly go ahead and look him up and give him a holler and schedule a time when he's available. But really, the key here, Mike, is you stop the Advair because by accident, you know, you didn't bring it with you. But it sounds like it might be something that, you know, you never want to wind up in a situation, Dr. Cam, where the, oh, I wish I would have, could have, should have. Exactly. And even though you're not having troubles right now, Mike, you don't want to be in a situation where, God forbid, in the middle of the night, you can't breathe, none of your medicines are really kicking in, and the next thing you know, you're going to wish that you really had the Advair on board, you're going to wish that you had your rescue inhaler, and boy, stress will just kick up that acid in your stomach, reflux goes crazy, and, and you just don't want to have to regret it. So I would say get it checked out, make sure you have the right diagnosis, but also, boy, don't stop medicine unless you check with your doc. Does that happen a lot, Dr. Cam? People just, they, you know, they might not bring it on vacation, and then they go, but I don't feel like it's working, and then they don't realize that instead of having one exacerbation a year, now they have five, Right. and it's really because they just stopped that maintenance inhaler. Exactly, and the main thing is, Stop medications only if your physician tells you to stop it or it tries to cut down. But so don't if do it you work with your doc and you're stepping down, that's good. But don't go jumping down exactly. on your own. Exactly. All right. Good advice from the master. Okay. We've got another caller on the line. We have Edwina from Aleva Heights. Edwina, welcome to The Body Show. 
Welcome. I have adult onset asthma. It runs in my family through my ch- and then my children and my grandchildren. And I take my Q-bar and I take my albuterol before I exercise. And I exercise four days a week for about 45 minutes, you know, walking fast at Ala Moana. Good for but you. I have to say, and I need it for mental health, but there are Two anchor stores in Ala Moana and one further down the block. I don't know what they're pumping in as a scent, but I cannot be in their stores more than five to ten minutes before my eyes are all watery, my chest feels tight, and I have to exit the store very fast and take my asthma medicine. What are these stores doing? It's a good question, Edwina. And you know what? Boy, it's one of the reasons why if you do go see your doctor, particularly if you're seeing an asthma doctor or an allergist, hold off on the big perfume that people are spraying. You never know if any of it. And you'll find people that go by, men and women. I know. You know. I know, and I always wonder, boy, who are they trying to make smell better? Everybody? But, I mean, it's an important point, and you bring up a really good thing, which is you're sensitive to smells and things that are in the air, and you never know who else is. Dr. Cam, what's Edwina to do? Well, at least she knows what stores that she can't enter. And just like Vogue, you know, if Vogue is an irritant, you're going to try to stay indoors and use your air conditioner. So it's it's good to identify your triggers like she has done. All right, Edwina. So it sounds like you figured out that stores bother you. And I guess you just have to steer clear of them. I know. I know. But the good news is, Edwina, that you figured out how to control your asthma, not have a whole lot of troubles, you know your triggers, and you still exercise four times a week, 45 minutes. So you're already ahead of the game, and you're doing a lot of activity to keep your lungs going strong. Excellent job. We've got another caller on the line. We have Tanya from McKeeke Heights. Tanya, welcome to The Body Show. Oh, thank you for having us. Thanks and for calling. What can we do? Dr. Cam treats both my husband and my son. So, and I, the third apple, I didn't have me any issues for, I don't know, decades. Over the last two months, I'm having allergy issues, which culminate in some asthma issues. And my doctor, premier physician, first was treating me with some antibiotics just because the congestion, the um, <clears throat> the sinus congestion was too bad. But as I'm finishing up my treatment with antibiotics, the, the tightness in my chest is still is there, and I'm not coughing a lot. So my question is, is there anything going on for the last two months or so? Is that a pattern because I have seen other people? That is a question for Dr. Cam, and thank you for taking the question. There, there's a lot of weather overlay right now, and I'm, it's been really busy in the office lately because uh, the weather changes. There's a lot of viruses going around. So you add up you know, all these factors, and it's really tough for people with asthma and allergies right now. All right, Tanya, you heard it from the master. Stuff is going on out there, and people are getting it. I'll tell you, you know, this year it seemed like we had almost like a delayed rainy season, and I'm not quite sure what's out there, but I've seen a lot of folks who have come in, you know, mold exposure in their house or wet weather or add that with the VOG, temperature changes. Boy, you name it, and people are coming in suffering with troubles. All of the above. All of the above. 
So what you want to do is just make sure you check in and see your doc. Make sure that you feel comfortable with your breathing. And if you're not doing as well as you hope, talk with your primary care provider. Say, hey, you know what? I've seen Dr. Cam or I've seen an allergist before. I think I might have a problem that's a little bit more than taking more antibiotics. Can we work on this? And I'm sure they'd be more than happy to help you with that. All right. We've got another caller. We've got Christine from Makiki. Christine, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, thank you. Um, I've had asthma since I was a really small child and um, uh, have kept it under control pretty well. But with the VOG, really, I really have a tough time if it's very voggy. And I, I know that we're told to stay indoors, and but I work, and that's not really an option with my job, to stay indoors all the time. So I, I wanted to ask, is there anything else that... Uh, someone could do, like wear a mask when they're out or something like that. Well, have you been uh, uh, tested for any potential triggers? Like do you have any nasal allergies? Um, I do have nasal allergies. So it's very important, especially when it comes to the VOG, that your nasal allergies are well controlled. So a lot of times it's just a matter of changing some of your medications around, uh, saying that, well, yeah, you know, it's voggy out there. I can't hide inside my air-conditioned uh, home. Right. And there we, we do an upscale type, the next level of medication blockade just so you can, um, you know, get past this weather right now. Okay. So that would mean like changing or a higher dosage? It, it may be, or changing to a different type. Uh, you know, you really need to discuss this with your physician. Okay. All right. And um, I guess there isn't anything like physical, like wearing a mask or something like that when you're outdoors that really would help. Oh, clearly. What kind of work do you do? Um, Well, actually, I work, I I teach, but I walk all over the campus to get from class to class. I am sucking in a fair amount of air when I'm on the job. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is you might want to just get some nasal saline. And after you walk from point A to point B, wash your nose out. All right. Okay. And they do sell filter masks. I've always recommended the um, the it's the N95 HEPA filter mask. Okay, M95. And HEPA? N as in Nancy. Yeah, okay. we do that for when we had all the firework problems. We used to go out there and hand these N95 masks out. Oh, all right. Okay. N95. HEPA. Yeah, the 3M okay. 3M type mask, okay. and those are really good. All right. Okay. So that might help to wear that when I'm out and about. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling us today, Christine. If you've got a question, this is our last chance. We've got just a few more minutes. You can call us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Christine, tell me, how much has treating your asthma changed your life? Because here you are, you're like an asthma conqueror. You've had asthma, you were diagnosed, now you're treating it really what kind of a difference has this made for you? It changed everything. I mean, I went from literally being only able to stay on the couch to being able to get out and have a life, you know, to be able to go to my son's baseball games and not be like, you know, terrorized by the grass pollen. And, you know, I, I could I could go and run for, like I said, I used to run four and a half miles, you know, and it, I, I never ever thought I would ever be able to run like that when when I uh, before before I got my asthma under control. And you've had allergies too, and you oh, also yeah. treat those as well. Yeah. You mentioned antihistamines earlier. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Dr. Kim, you mentioned those things go along together a lot, allergies and asthma. Absolutely. If somebody out there says, you know, yeah, I have some allergies, I have some sniffly nose, a little nasal congestion, I don't know if I have a breathing problem, but boy, don't ask me to go up more than one flight of stairs. At what point do they know that they really might need to check out their breathing? I mean, sometimes I wonder if people don't just really limit their lives to such that they never challenge their lungs so they don't know they can't do it because they only walk from point A to point B and that's it. They modify their lifestyle so they don't have any wheezing or difficulty breathing. And. What's the? Is there an easy challenge test? Is it like, okay, if you can't go up two flights of stairs without feeling wheezing and you don't have any other conditions, you should get checked out. Is there any kind of easy way to know that? I, I think anybody has difficulty going upstairs or just doing any normal daily activity. So even the kid is, you know, walking to the bus stop, uh, starts, you know, having difficulty breathing or misses school because of prolonged coughs due to colds. Then it should be checked out. And like I said, in the older kids and adults, this uh, a screening spirometry, very, very easy to do. Now, and you shouldn't fear inhalers. I know some people are worried. Steroid inhalers, could they cause problems? Really, no reason to be worried about medication. I almost think it's more concerning to not use medicine well, absolutely. and I not mean, be able to yeah, breathe. Because, again, it's your quality of life. Plus, we mentioned the irreversible lung damage. And that's the key word, irreversible lung damage. Don't wait until it's too Don't late. Don't wait until late. But it's, I mean, and if you, if you really do have a problem with your breathing and you have your medicine, never stop it unless somebody's stopping it with you, that exactly. being your doctor. It needs to be supervised. Mm-hmm. Because if you stop on your own, Christy, you're a good patient. You said, I don't stop. I take it all the time. Yeah. But I'm sure there's times when people forget it. They go on vacation. They didn't bring it with them. These are signs that, you know, if you can't breathe and you're having troubles, really, it's got to be the first thing you put in your well, luggage. Well, you know, I've gotten the calls from the mainland asking for their medications, and I'm happy to do that because, you know, the consequences of not taking their medications on trips are really bad. And in fact, all of my patients that travel, they always have a visit with me before they go on the trip, and we stock them up with rescue medications and make sure the game plan is in place. And so that's a plan that you've established with them. You've got your green zone, I'm doing good. You've got your yellow zone, I'm kind of not doing so good. You've got your red zone, uh uh-oh, there's trouble. So they know exactly what to do. And that's a personal plan. It's not the same for everybody. So you set that up with your doctor. Christy, you set one up. Works pretty well. You get in trouble. You know exactly what to do. And we mentioned earlier, it puts the control back in the person's hands who's right. experiencing the symptoms. Exactly. Because it could be a different time zone or it might just be, you know, during the middle of the day and they just want to know what to do. Christy, do you feel you pretty much know what to do when you have troubles? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've been dealing with it for the last, I mean, my, my whole life practically, you know. But I just wanted to say something, you know, like how you was talking about irreversible lung damage. My mother-in-law was like that. You know, she grew up in Japan and she, she always had, bronchitis and she she always had this nagging cough and we never knew what it was and it turned out later on she she had emphysema it became emphysema because she didn't take care of her asthma all right dr cam christy thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us today on the body show Dr. Jeffrey Cam is an allergy, immunology, and asthma expert at Straub Clinic and Hospital. Christy Ching performs six nights a week on the Navitech. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on www.hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk about pediatric eye conditions. We will see you Monday at 5, right here on The Body Show.
Thank you.